Daniel's Dread Tales is a show for grown-ups with occasional adult language and or themes. Please check the episode description for specific content warnings. Welcome back to Daniel's Dread Tales. I'm your Dread Tale Teller, Daniel Fernandez. This week, I'm joined by a couple of old friends of mine, Jay Jones and Andrew Dickinger, from our old podcast, Wrath and Story. This week, we're playing a system called Final Girl, which is designed to help you create your own slasher movies. And I think we came up with a pretty good one. I like to call it Partial Spark. Get it? Okay, well, you won't actually get the pun until you hear the episode, but but it's a good one. Enjoy. So, hello, everyone, and welcome to Daniel's Dread Tales. Thanks for joining us, and I'm glad you're here. And I'm also glad my two guests are here, uh, two guys I've done a lot of work with in the past. First of all, let's introduce uh, Andrew. Hello, my name's Andrew, he, him, and I'm glad to be here. And, of course, you can't have Andrew without Jay. Hey, everybody, this is Jay, he, him. Uh, Super excited to be here. I love cards, and I love games. And I realize you could totally have Andrew without Jay. They are not a a joint uh, thing there. I don't know why I said it like that, but... I I believe we signed a contract. Andrew, did you find that that demon to null that contract? No. Um, Also, I noticed, like, we have this weird pull between us that we always kind of know where each other is. Maybe that was part of that. Well, that is the contract, uh, 100%. That's that's part of that deal that we signed. So, um, I mean, let me know if you can track that dude down and we can we can nix that thing. But yeah, it, we're 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 tethered spiritually and podcastily. Makes sense. Why I tried to do that one podcast? Yeah. Well, it's good to be podcastily tethered to you guys again, at least for an episode. I'll see if I can split the tether after this, though. So today we're going to be playing a game of Final Girl. It's an older indie RPG by uh, Brett Gillen, and it is pretty great. You can get it on DriveThruRPG or, you know, uh, wherever you buy games. Though I think their website actually doesn't exist anymore. But you get it on DriveThruRPG, and I hope the money's going to Brett. So today, like I said, we're going to play Final Girl, which is a game that simulates uh, horror movies and stuff like that. To get us started, we're going to need to figure out what sort of horror movie we're doing today. If you open up the book that we have here, you guys have the do you guys have the PDF ready to go? I do, I do. So go back to page 14. Go a little bit deeper into there. Oh, pretty deep. Just say horror tables. This isn't gonna ruin the movie, is it? This is a movie we're making? No, no. Well This is how movies are made, correct? This this is how people make movies. Yeah. We're we're gonna break the story. Is that a thing? I, I don't work in the entertainment industry. Uh is this the uh page that has the carnage rules and the horror tables? Uh the one that says the horror table, not the carnage rules. Although the carnage rules are right before it. So We could choose whatever sort of setting we want for our horror movie, but uh, there are a bunch of options right here. And what I was thinking would be fun to do is we each draw a card and take a look at what we get here. Because there's this really neat table for every single card in this deck of cards we have before us. Uh, And by 
have before us, I mean we're on a website that lets us share a deck of cards. Shh, don't, don't ruin the illusion. Oh, right. We're all sitting near each other and having a good time. <laughs> Yay! Spiritual cards. We can have a good time distantly. I am just going to draw a card, and the you two should draw a card as well, and we'll see what we get. I'm just going to put it in front of me right here so we can all see it. All right, I'm going to take a card. I've got it. Shall I reveal it? Yes. Two of hearts, baby! All right, I got the six of hearts. And I've got the queen of clubs. I guess Andrew wins. Not that we were competing. What? Oh my god, I didn't know the rules of this. <laughs> I didn't know if we were going upsies or downsies in the score. Oh, uh, well, actually, deuces uh, win. <gasps> yes! So, uh, let's look at our the little table here. Let's see what we got. I'll go first. Six of hearts is... The characters are all vampires who are being hunted by a human. <laughs> Amazing. <laughs> It'd be a very different sort of thing. Not, not what I was planning, but we could do that. See, what did you get, Jay? I got a monster in the sewers is hunting children. And I got the government has been infiltrated by extra dimensional beings, and we are the members of a group trying to make the plot public. So do we like any of those, or do we want to try something else? I kind of like all of them, but... I know, right? They're all pretty fun. <laughs> Your... <laughs> Yours is a pretty big flip on the script, though, Daniel. The fact that we're all vampires. I, I don't know if I'm quite ready. We're maybe a little early in the show to... Uh... Is this an I Am Legend story? Like, is Will Smith our, our antagonist? <laughs> yes. A spoiler alert for I Am Legend. Oh, right, right. Right, that, yeah, the movie that came out, like, 25 years ago. <laughs> <laughs> Someone's like, ah, I was next on my watch list. I don't know. I, I kind of love, uh, unless you want to mulligan yours, Daniel, and we, we, run the, we run the gamble of seeing what that, that other option could be. You know what? I'll draw one more card, I, because we're not going to do friendly vampires just yet. Ah, uh, so we're... Uh, we're, we're keeping traditional horror so far. Well, I guess those vampires don't have to be friendly. I guess they could be all bastards. I'm just trying to go to the blood store, and this man, he kills me. Okay, maybe that's the reason we can't do it, because all of the accents are... That, that right there, thank you, Jay. You dodged a bullet, I'll, I'll tell you that. Okay, I got the five of hearts now. Oh, more vampires. A vampire has come to a small town and is slowly turning everyone who lives there into one of the living dead. Hmm, very classic. Very vampire heavy in these hearts, I gotta tell you. I guess the heart is blood? That tracks. I believe Three of Hearts just says, the Three of Hearts, we didn't pick it, but the Three of Hearts just says Dracula. That's all. It has no additional context. It's just Dracula. Oh, God, I love Dracula. Amazing. No plot necessary. It's just Dracula. You get it. It's Dracula. So which one of these do you think we oh, would be fun to tell a story about? Man, I mean, Monster in the Sewer, a la It, right? Though it doesn't have to be a clown, but, you know, a la It. Is it, it isn't it not really a clown? He's like a spider thing? I mean, that's kind of like mixing Andrews, which is like, it's an extra dimensional. Yeah, he is an extra dimensional being. <laughs> So, I mean, we can still kind of have our it and eat it, too. You know what I mean? Uh, with the government has been infiltrated by extra dimensional beings. That was, that was a real that was a real heavy badumtish that you, you did there, Jay. Uh, you know, have our it and eat it, too. Yeah. Yeah. I was moving on quickly because I, too, recognize my own problems. 
Uh, yeah, Andrews is more of a, I was picturing more of a they, what is it, they live with with what he was saying, but we, it doesn't have to be like that. Yeah, let's have a, let's have a monster in the sewers that maybe the government is covering up or something. I kind of like that because I feel like if we go with just the queen, just the, the just the, the queen, as in the queen uh, is an extra dimensional being. No, I mean the queen of uh, clubs, I think like. I'm going to have to know a lot of, like, government agencies and words, and I'm not that competent, but I know about small towns, right? And then maybe we'll have the government sweep in to try to cover it up. We'll, we'll Maybe that's the story. But as we know, in most fictional stories like this, government agents don't use guns. All their guns have been CGI replaced with flashlights, and that's... Just a fun E.T. fun fact for everybody. Uh, you know what? I think we're going decidedly more R-rated with this one. Oh, boy. Okay. All right. Maybe something we we could try in the future, Daniel. Big flashlights. We could try in the future, Daniel, is we could try and have a, a, a plot twist and draw a card like halfway through to throw a little spin on the game. God, I hope it's just Dracula. <laughs> just Dracula shows up. <laughs> <laughs> That is a that is a good idea, Andrew. What's the twist, Dracula? Yeah, some of these wouldn't necessarily work well. What is supposed to be a bioweapon infects people? It's like, wait, what? How did that happen? I thought we were fighting ma- magic guys, but I think Andrew and I are just stupid enough to make one of these things make sense. You know, <laughs> we can we can fit it in. I think. Oh, we're more than stupid enough. That that is for sure. All right, got our overall idea, which is there is a monster in the sewer that's hunting. Maybe we'll start with children. Maybe it'll go uh, start hunting other people later, but hunting people in the sewer. And now what we need is a cast of people to get killed by this monster. Sick. None of uh, none of the ones I created were children. <laughs> and most of mine were. Amazing. So I have Terry the himbo jock. I have Susan the overachieving fifth grader. I have Jeff who's a lazy babysitter. And Maggie, who is a smarter-than-you-think cheerleader. I have... I'm just going in order in the dock, I guess. I have Victor, an outsider who knows about the town's history, so he's a lorehead. We have the spider, who's an old lady <laughs> and an internet whiz. There's Otis, who's the old-timey groundskeeper of some grounds in the town. He has to keep them. Yeah, he has to keep them, and we're not entirely sure... Which grounds they are. He's a groundskeeper, but no one can quite remember which grounds. Maybe it's all the grounds, you know? Maybe. Maybe. Maybe he's been doing this for a lot longer than we think. Anyways, Alexander is the boy detective, and that's all he needs to be as a definition. You love a boy detective. I do love a good boy detective. And I have Deacon, the overzealous preacher, Janet, the old cat lady. Gotta have an old cat lady. Friend, maybe friends with the spider, although she does not call her that. Yeah, that's, by the way, the spider's her moniker on the internet. Sure, her her name is probably just like, I don't know. Elise or something. <laughs> Elaine, or Elise, Elaine. Some beginning with an E. And then I have uh, Gina, the buff junkyard owner, and Brick, the dumb farm boy. He was, he, was, he was cast too young. The parents were like, we know how dumb this kid's gonna be. So we have now cast our thing. Uh, you know what? I'm I'm realizing the word butts is still up here. I'm gonna do <laughs> that. I'm sorry, Jay. Wait, no, no. Oh, that was the name of the monster. God. Yeah, that was the monster name, Daniel. <laughs> we gotta go after butts. <laughs> but it was with a but it was a question mark. So it was like butts is still here. <laughs> we gotta go after butts. <laughs> when they see him, they raise their hands. Butts, and they die. Aren't you so glad you invited us, Daniel? Yeah, yeah, I 
definitely missed this. Uh, I actually did miss this. So here's what we're going to do now. We've gotten through the casting. We have our setting. Oh, we need a name for this town they're in, I guess. We have our... Hmm. Should the town's name be Butts? That was my first instinct as well, but I've, I fought it down so hard. I swallowed it deep inside. Uh-huh. We'll call it a butte, okay? It's a butte. Yeah, you know what? Butteville. It's it's or Butte or Buttes. We got the S in there. Uh, it's pronounced Butte. Butteville. Uh, it sounds like butts to me. <laughs> oh, you're from Buttville, huh? <laughs> How's it like living in old Buttville? Oh man, Victor the uh, or sorry, not Victor. Uh, Otis, the old timey groundskeeper, hates it when people call it Buttsville. And you know what? It's like one of those old timey names where like the guy or gal who established it was like. You know, beautiful like Butteville. Like they thought it would just like really roll off the tongue, and then like the first kid looked at it and was like, "It's a butt!" And then they just they just committed to it and never changed it. Now, are there not buttes nearby in the countryside? Well, that was the name. Obviously, it's named after the original mayor. You know, Mayor Butts. So, or Butts. Sorry, <laughs> Mayor Butts. Mayor Butts. There, there is a family of Butts. The Butts. The Butte family is well reputed amongst the the community. May or may not be involved with the whole monster of Buttes, you know. Maybe. <laughs> Maybe there was a Butte monster. Maybe the monster is a Butte. I'm fine. You know what? I'm fine with it. I, I mean, it's Buttesville. We're in Buttesville. I love it. I'm glad to be a part of it. Buttesville. I mean, listen, Daniel, we can keep Buttesville, but you are playing with fire here, my friend. <laughs> uh, now it's time for our introductory scenes. So the way this works is each, we well, are supposed to do three of these, and we only have three players, so we'll each do one. Um, you're supposed to draw cards to figure out who goes if you have more than three players. Um, and what we need to do is we need to have a couple of scenes establishing our characters. Um, so in each one of these, you're just going to pick one of the characters on this list. It does not have to be a one that you created, by the way, you do not own any of these characters. These characters are just the, the big thing for everybody. So anybody can play these characters. Anybody can get these characters killed. They're, they're all up for grabs, but you all know that whoever gets Alexander killed will die. <laughs> I know you love boy detectives. No, 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 no. He can be the first one to go. Let's do this. Okay, uh, so right now, uh, there's no rolling or anything in this scene. In each one of these, we're going to pick just a couple of characters, and they're just going to chat, and we're going to establish their relationships. What we need to do right now, though, is for these characters, we need to figure out if the character can be... We need to establish relationships between them. There are three sorts of relationships. You could have a friendship you could have a rivalry, or they can be screwing each other. Um, so if they are, if they have a friendship, when the monster comes to try to get us, you could play cards to save people you have a friendship with. If you have a rivalry, they could play cards to screw, uh, to mess. I was gonna say screw, but that's sort of mess, uh, whatever. <laughs> a passionate rivalry. <laughs> you could. Uh, you can mess up people and have the monster get them instead. And if you're, you know, we'll just say it. If you're fucking somebody, you can do either. Oh, some like some tense love going on there. Ooh, that is that is a tumultuous re- relationship there going on. Or, you know, very productive one. They're clearly trying to save each other. We'll see. Um, okay, I like this. So we have to start drawing 
like uh like crazy people on like a board we have to start connecting some lines here yeah we could start putting notes next to these people and and whatnot here in the google doc um so i really maybe wanted to start with cherry the himbo jock um i don't know who he's hanging out with but i think that's who i want to do in the first thing who do we think terry's hanging out with you know what? This is going to feel like out of left field, but follow me. He's friends with the spider because he's trying to get his grades fixed on the school system. And the old, and the old lady is helping him out for like exchange for like cookies or something. <laughs> or really great weed. Okay. And who else do we think is are are they just chatting online? Are 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 we in like a chat room? No, no, I think this is like uh Terry is like he he like he goes to the spider's home and like it's in an, it's in old folks area and uh and he like, you know, covers his face cuz he doesn't want people to think like he's like, you know, hooking up with this old lady, but he goes over and they've I think they've actually become good friends. Like this old lady's got really great weed cuz she's and uh and he just comes over and Terry just hangs out. He's having a good time. It started off for business and now it's pleasure. So I think friends well, well, okay, yeah, we, we've gotten really far into the scene already without it even starting. Um, and uh, no, it's all good. And Andrew, any of these characters shout out to you? Who do you think would be there? Well, obviously, I have to be Janet, the old cat lady, because uh, the spider is my rival, and she sees across the street this very handsome man constantly going into her <clears throat> house and thinks, of course, that they're lovers and hates it. <laughs> I love the idea that Janet has a rivalry with the spider, and she might have no idea who the fuck Janet is. Yeah. So, for the record, we don't need to establish these before the scene starts. We can find them in the scene, but it sounds like we've already... Oh, I see what you're saying here, Daniel. So, like, we are kind of spilling the old narrative beans, as it were, as to, like, what it is. So, you're looking for just, like, pick a thing. Like, this person has a rivalry with this person, and we will flesh it out in, in the moment. Is that kind of the... Oh, no. What I meant is we don't even need to establish those yet. We could start the scene, and when the scene's over, we could say, like, yeah, those guys are friends. Or we could t- be talking and be like, you know what? I think these guys are sleeping with each other, and then move into that with the scene. <laughs> the scene ends with somebody be like, I'll fucking kill you! And it's like, they're friends. <laughs> <laughs> well, fiction first. But, okay, let's let's get into it. They're, they're longtime friends. Let, let's Let's get into it here. So I think sort of opening shot is we see Terry and he's got his hoodie up and he's sort of like a crouch and like trying not to be seen. It's the it's in the evening and he's sort of heading over to to the spider's house. And I think uh, maybe he's driving in his car and he's parking not in front of her house, but parking around the corner and then like jumping through like a little uh, little park and like looking like, oh, no, I'm just going to the park like it's fine. And then slipping over to. Uh, the spider's house. But it's amazing because he is a great jock. So he's doing like flips and like vaults over like all of these different chain link fences. And it is impressive from a distance. Exactly. And I think definitely as he's parking, uh, we hear on the radio, uh, this is the, the fifth missing child in as many weeks. Uh, authorities are baffled. The, 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 and it's becoming a big issue in the sheriff's, in the race for sheriff. Ooh. A little bit of political going on there. Terry gets out of the car and he's he's doing his flips over all his chain link fences and he sees I think he sees something up in like one of the trees, by the way, while he's like doing this out at night. Um because I assume the sun has just gone down. It's post school. His parent you know, his 
his parents don't really keep a close track of him. He keeps he does a good enough job on on in his sports that he does. And there's and he he sees something in the trees. But he he thinks he sees it, but he's like, eh, that's nothing. That's nothing. Yeah, yeah. He never spots anything. But he he has that you know that feeling you feel like somebody's watching you. That's what's going on. Yeah, but mostly that he's like he's too worried about uh, uh, all this uh, stuff. He uh, and he sort of sneaks up to the porch and sort of knocks on the door. Actually, no, I think he goes to the back door. I think he uh, or on the side. He goes to the side door and is knocking on it and gives like a special knock. Uh, hey, it's like me. Do you let me in, please? Terry, is that you? Uh, yeah, yeah, it's me. Terry, you here to get fucking high, Terry? I've been waiting for hours. Where you been? Uh, yeah, uh, but uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, could you let me in? Oh yeah, sure. And uh, the spider unlocks the door and and brings him in through the screened-in door. How you doing, my boy? Uh, yeah, it's it's good. We're sort of getting towards the end of the year and like. Coach is on my ass about, like, my grades. He says I'm not going to be academically eligible. Um, So that's just, like, a bull bunch of fucking bullshit. But, like, what do we got? Terry, 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 like I've always told you, school means fucking nothing, all right? You just need to get out there and you need to hustle. You need to just take the world by the balls, Terry. You listening to me? Uh, sure, yeah, yeah, miss, uh, uh I'm sorry, oh, uh, spider- Spider, but, you know, we've gotten a little bit closer, Terry, so you can call me Miss Spider. Now, let's sit down and smoke this fucking bowl. Uh, I, you know what, Terry, it reminds me, um, while I pack this thing, I'm, I'm a little concerned lately. Uh, you know, one of, the, uh, one of the neighbors, well, they were screaming about something the other day, Terry, and uh, I haven't checked the news as much. I primarily scroll through Twitter. As you know, I'm an internet whiz. Uh, but, uh... I haven't been keeping up on the local channels. I'm mostly following those uh, those big billionaire tech wigs. But uh, is there anything going on out there, Terry? Uh, I don't know. They say on the news like some kids are disappearing and stuff. But like, I don't know. I've been so busy with our uh, big game coming up against Marshall <laughs> High, I think is what it's called. Terry, 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 you've been... What shit have you been smoking? I I get the good stuff. Is something rotting your brain, Terry? And I think maybe we are, like, panning out. Uh, the camera sort of pans out through the window as our conversation continues. Um, but we're sitting in the in the uh, sort of front room with the blinds open and the lights on. Because while Terry is trying to be sneaky, he is sitting in front of uh, a window with the shades open and the lights on at night. Yes. God damn it, he's over there again! Uh, yeah, what, what is Jeanette, uh, does Jeanette do anything besides grumble about that? Well, I mean, Jeanette obviously has been looking out of her window this whole time with binoculars, thinking she's inconspicuous, but, you know, her blinds are very, very obvious, and there's a hole in them, and there's the shine of glass behind them. Also, her, her lights are also on because it's nighttime, so she's backlit this whole time. And she looks up, that, 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 that old lady, she always has that handsome man over. It's not fair. Isn't that right, Miss Mupsy? <laughs> <laughs> All right. I think that's a scene. I think that's a scene. Yeah. I think it's a scene. We've, we've, we've built a real narrative dynamic here. There's a relationship and then a twist at the end that there is danger lurking across the, the uh, neighborhood. With Jeanette. Obviously, it's Miss Mupsy. 
the true <laughs> the true monster of the story. It's Mopsy, yeah. That was the real villain that we revealed at the end of it. Okay, so theoretically, I'm the one who established that scene. <laughs> Listen, can I pitch that we end every scene with, isn't that right, Miss Mopsy? <laughs> <laughs> I am all for this. Uh, we'll see how we can fit it in. Fantastic. Um, so I think definitely Terry and the spider are friends and, uh, Jeanette and the spider are rivals. I think that, that works there. All right. So, uh, Jay or Andrew, do either one of you want to pick a character to start with and then we build a scene around him? I think, is this have to, by the way, these scenes, they have to take place like same time of day or any rules here? No, no, no. Yeah, it could be earlier or later. Well, we'll edit it together. I don't mean on the podcast. I mean in the movie that we're making. <laughs> sure, sure, sure. Well, I would say that um that uh that Jeff, our lazy babysitter, he's on the job. All right, this is the night before um Terry and uh an old Miss Spider got together, and uh and Jeff's doing his doing his gig uh, as he typically does. He's uh he's sitting for um for the Smiths. Um, the family he sits for from time to time, uh, they've got a, a little girl. She's only about, you know, three years old. She's very sweet, keeps to herself. Uh, and then we've got, uh, a, a little boy, a little bit older than the girl, and he's just a big old piece of shit. He's, at least to Jeff. He's about seven years old. He's got all the energy in the world. And for the last hour or so, He's been running around in the other room just making pure chaos, just like smashing blocks and drawing on the walls. And Jeff has just been kind of taking it easy in the front room. He's got the TV on, just watching a movie. Maybe it's Predator. You know what it is? It is Predator. <laughs> it's it's Predator. And, uh, and uh, basically, he's sitting there and... As time goes on, he's he's waiting because someone's going to come by. Who's going to come by to see Jeff? I think his girlfriend Maggie is going to be coming over. Okay. So he set this up. He's got his he's got his Netflix and chill lined up with the Predator, but he sucks and he's just started rolling the movie already. And and Maggie's on her way. I think yeah, there's got to be a knock at the door or not a knock at the door. Or maybe a text or something. What have you got? I mean, no. This is what we do, right? Uh, we have a we have a jump scare. It's what we do. Like Jeff, the lazy babysitter, is watching this, and the predator's like doing a laugh or something. I guess he only really laughs at the end, but whatever. Something grabs him from behind, ah! and then it's his uh, girlfriend Maggie who uh, had just sort of snuck snuck in the back. And do we have any idea who our third character is going to be there, Andrew? Hmm, I'm thinking about it right now. Have them come in whatever if we want to figure it out right now we can or you can surprise us. I've got I've got a uh, I've got a recommendation for who our third character in the scene is going to be. What were you thinking? I was thinking um Maggie's brother, little brother Alexander follows her there. Oh, Al- oh Maggie and Alexander are brothers. Okay. Brother and sister. Or it's a brother sister. Yes, yes. And uh, and Maggie goes, surprises Jeff. Jeff turns around, freaks out for a second because he's watching. By the way, like playing on the screen is the part where like he hears like the predator. Uh, you know, in the movie, it's like behind you, behind you. It's like over here, over here. And then like suddenly Maggie like grabs him right at the same time and he freaks out. But then following her into the house, 
behind one of the bushes, you see the bushes rustle, very Predator-like, like something's watching them, much like in the Predator movie. So meta, you guys, so meta. And it turns out it's Alexander, boy detective, with his little notepad and his little pen, taking notes. Obviously a very oversized uh, magnifying glass, because has to have that. I mean, it's as big as his head. It's ridiculous. And it's unexplained, but the magnifying glass does have a streak of blood on it. So we're not entirely sure if Alexander's been using it correctly, but he might have been using it. Sup, babe? Why'd you scare me like that? Oh my God, Jeff. You're so startled all the time. Just like, I don't, like I'm trying to watch a movie here like and get paid to do nothing. And then you're fucking like, whatever, bring it in, babe. Uh, and he like grabs her and like tries to give her like a noogie. What, what, uh, Jeff, what are you doing? You were supposed to wait for me to start the movie. Uh, yeah, but you wanted to like watch some bullshit, so I thought I would watch like Predator before like you got here. All right, whatever. Come here, babe. And they're making out. <laughs> yeah. And Alexander's just like, oh, he's doing like the classic. I'm assuming Alexander's got to be like what, ten year old? We're thinking. 12-year-old? Sure. Yeah, and he's just like, he sees it and he turns away and the guy's like, ugh, gross, from the bushes. And uh, for parody of story, he also thinks he hears something in like some nearby trees. Looks, nothing there. You know what? I I think we could make this take place on the same night. I think this doesn't have to be the night before. I think this could be on the same night. I Yeah, yeah. Okay, I like it, yeah. I mean, we've set up two evening situations. No reason you can't time cut. Yeah, exactly. I, I mean, we could have, well, whatever. Well, yeah, I mean, Alexander obviously noticed uh, Terry trying to be very stealthy, but he's, like, freaking huge. I mean, he's this himbo jock, and he's like, what is that guy doing? <laughs> All righty. And let's do just a couple of other people here. All righty. So, uh, we got one last scene here. Um, I don't know if we'll get around to introducing everybody before the killer starts striking, though we can have more than three characters in a scene. We could have, you know, other people around, even if they're not the main character being played by us, because we're kind of just playing everybody. But Andrew, it's sort of your turn, though we've kind of just been doing this all together. All right. So basically, we're at the local uh, church. It's not a very big church. Uh, it probably can only seat about 20 people. It's Yeah, that's a very small church. It's only been there since, like, the town's been there. And, you know, this isn't the most religious town. Pretty much only, like, the Buttes and, like, a couple other groups tended to go to the church. But Deacon is there, and he's, I mean, he's just going at it. And then the Lord said... I mean, it, he's just, like, to the back audience, which is, like, 15 feet away. And there's only, like, four people in there. So, uh, just, you know, random people from the town, but, uh, then, uh, in walks from one of the side rooms, the, I think Susan, a uh, little fifth grade girl is there because, uh, she's doing some volunteer work there. They're, they're giving out food, um, later on and she, um, it's supposed to take place after the service, but she's always early to get to places. So she is, uh, she's gotten there early. She's leaning in while the deacon is doing this and going, get your hands up. Come on, get your hands up. Get the energy up in here. Come on. Come on. I see you over there. Get those energies up. Do it. Do it. Do it. Yeah. Yeah. For the Lord. Come on. Yeah. Okay. She's very religious then. I didn't know if she was, but yes. Okay. Oh, no, 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 no. Hold on. She's not. For, she could be. 
But she will achieve at everything she has set out to do. And she sees that she is kind of like the preacher's like hype man for this. <laughs> so like She's just being supportive. She's being supportive. She's very supportive. And the, I mean, the, the preacher sees this. And of course, he looks over at her and gives her a knowing wink. Like, man, that girl, she's going to take over the church someday. Yeah, he thinks that she's a devout and she just only cares about the A. That A takes the form in school or or compliments. Susan Jewish, actually, um, but we, we don't need to go over that. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. Can it be that the deacon is has a rivalry with Susan, but it's like the rivalry to like get her over to the church? <laughs> Like to, to, but like Susan, but Susan just likes the deacon. Oh my God. He's just such an overzealous preacher that he thinks he has some like prayer to over, uh, to, uh, convert her. He's like one of these days, Susan, I'll get you. Yeah. That, so she's again, she's just here for the, the volunteer thing or whatever, but there's not a lot of volunteer opportunities in the town. So she's there and she's being supportive. She's nice. And I think, do we uh, do we have a couple other people here at the church? Or at least one other person? Well, obviously, yeah, I mean, I would think that one of the ones who is, I mean, born and raised to be a member of the church is, uh, of course, Brick, the uh, dumb farm boy. He's one of the few people in the audience, and he's just eating it up. What does Brick sound like? Who's who's going to be Brick? I guess it's got to be me, because uh, we, are, we already had Susan... <laughs> I get a, I get a, from the name Brick in Dumb Farm Boy, I get a, hello me lord, vibe. <laughs> no, he's not British. That's how dumb he is. That's how dumb he is, Daniel, is that he has adopted an accent that no one has around him. <laughs> uh, I think I will choose not to do that. When you play Brick, you can recast him with, a, with an accent. Oh, he's definitely just going to be that peasant character from Warcraft when I play him. I was getting a, you know... Yeah, it, it, this is a real good sermon, y'all. All right. Yeah. All right. Yeah, he's, uh, you know, he's, he's having a good time. Man, he's going to be the one. He's going to be one jumping around the most. <laughs> you know what? I think Otis is also there. We're not playing Otis, but I think Otis, the old-timey groundskeeper, is also there. But he's sitting in the back. Um, He's less enthusiastic. He's He's got a grim expression on his face. He's got, like, a 10 billion mile stare where, like, you're, and also he has, like, an old look. Where, like, he could be 110, or he could just be, like, maybe in his early 60s. I don't know. He, sometimes he moves pretty quick, and you're like, huh, that's weird. But then other times, he just looks like a billion years old. He's like, God damn it, I got to take care of these grounds. Uh, what is, uh, what's Deacon's, uh, what is Deacon preaching about? It's got to be the disappearances, right? Like, it's got to be, like, trust in the community. Yeah, the, I mean, the Lord will find a way to bring these children back. That or, you know, he's like a very pragmatic, uh, overzealous preacher, though. He's like, that or, you know, they're gone forever, but they're with the Lord. So you have nothing to worry about. <laughs> I was going to say, or you go even, it, you go pretty dark with it and you say like, and, you know, uh, what really helps is obviously, of course, giving to the church, you know. I'm sure he'll find your kids and your friends the more you give to the church. And I'm, if, you know, I'm completely off topic, but I am passing the uh, the donation basket around just now. And uh, if you would mind just giving to the church, you know, I'm not saying... Oh, is he is he scheming about this? You know, he's he's kind of mixing his messages a little bit, you know? He's seen the bills come in for his very tiny church. <laughs> the bills have come in, and uh, and he's just, you know, he knows. He's kind of using this. He's, he's pumping up 
the the severity of the situation, which is severe, but he is kind of directing it a little bit somewhere not not particularly helpful. Well, he's I mean, he's kind of playing all sides, but, you know, he sees Otis there in the back and realizes he owes Otis a ton of money for, you know, taking care of these grounds. So, oh, <laughs> uh, <laughs> <laughs> he needs that. He needs those donations to come in. Or uh, Otis is scary. Like Deacon <laughs> will stand up to just about everybody, but Otis scares the hell out of him. He's a groundskeeper, but he's doing it like in a mobbed up sort of way. <laughs> he, he takes care of your grounds, and you better take. You better pay him. Listen. <laughs> yeah, I mean Otis. It, <laughs> no, Otis. No one really knows where Otis came from. He's kind of just always been there sort of thing so he's just the town groundskeeper so like nobody ever like other people have tried to establish like lawn mowing services in the town and they all quietly just go away you never know why but like somebody like tries to set up like a competing business and uh and otis is always very encouraging of competition but they just never seem to pan out so weird this is just sort of we're, we're seeing these characters here. Brick is getting really excited. He's sitting next to Susan and is sort of whenever she's getting excited, he's getting excited. But mostly he just keeps looking at her and smiling. Oh, yeah. Brick Brick has a huge crush on Susan. I mean, massive. Hold on a second. Do you say Brick has a huge crush on Susan? She's an overachieving fifth grader. Okay. And when we say farm boy, we should be clear that Brick is. Yeah, well, Brick's in sixth grade. So, you know. Emphasis is a boy, boy, boy. He's just a farm boy. Yeah, uh, emphasis on boy. He he is a boy. <laughs> Sorry, the voice you did before, I imagine just like, I don't know, some dude in his like, late 20s or 30s. Yes, he, he's, he is a boy. He's a boy. <laughs> so when you were like, he's got a big crush on Susan, I'm like, oh, no. No, the, the scripter very much says dumb farm boy. No, he is he is just a farm boy. Maybe we kill everybody in this scene first. <laughs> and then the church collapsed because no one's taking care of it. <laughs> ooh, ooh, I want to do this. I think uh, there's a big storm going on outside. Uh, I think uh, the storm was sort of coming in in all of our uh, other scenes. It was cloudy, maybe drizzling a little. And there's like a, you see a lightning strike and then all of the lights go out in the church. It's one light. Let's be, let's be clear. It's one light. <laughs> Okay, the light goes out in the church, and we sort of pan out, and we see, like, the lights have gone out in the entire town. The power has gone out. And then he looks around Deacon and says, like, don't worry, this is why I have all these candles. And then, like, a wind blows through and then blows out all the candles. He's like, well, shit. Same time, while this is just to introduce our last characters, the rain starts pouring, and it's dark across the town, and we pan to a, a bicycle riding very quickly. We're, we're, we're tight in on a bicycle wheel, rolling through rain and mud, slicking through the streets. And we pan up and we see uh, a, a young boy, our Victor, um, in a backpack, very like, I wouldn't say goth aesthetic, but like kind of like outsider-y aesthetic where like it's just very like simple, dark clothes, doesn't want to draw a lot of attention. Not like Terry, where he was just doing it just to get by. Like this is kind of Victor's main speed. And he's zipping through some back streets, uh, and he gets to the kind of just outside of the town. He pulls up to the old junkyard, uh, and it's raining. He pulls up his bike and gets off, and he and and he tries to buzz in because he's come here a few times, but uh, it's just not working. So he's he's got to set his bike down, and he's climbing up over the the top of the side to get into the junkyard because he's here 
to look for a very specific old relic. He calls it relic. He calls everything relics. But, uh, you know, Victor is, likes to acquire nicks and knacks about the old town history, and he's been chasing down this one particular item because he, he just thinks it's it's just kind of been lost in the history of the town. It used to be on an old building, and now it's just not there anymore. Nobody can remember where it went to. And he's there to meet up with his connect, Gina, who has kind of been... Gina's been, like, the one who fences... I say fences like these are, like, art, but you know what I mean? Like, Gina helps facilitate Victor's interest in old town, town like, relics and lore. You know what I mean? What happens then? He's climbing over the fence and he lands in the junkyard. I will release I will release the wheel. All right. So I think he's friends with Gina. I think we've met everybody. We had a bonus mini scene there, but that's okay. Now it is time to we have introduced everybody. I guess we technically haven't met Gina, but whatever. It's fine. Now uh we need to know who everybody we everybody has their relationships. And now it's time for the first blood scene. Um, so we need to determine who is going to be the first killer. So um, we need to draw cards, and whoever gets the highest card is the first killer. Right now. Yeah. I got the ace. I got the ace. I've got an eight. Oh, that's not a good card. <laughs> this is rigged. That's the second ace. <laughs> I drew a 10 before, so I don't know. Mm. So you've got the highest card, Daniel. So what does that mean? Okay. This is, this means I am the killer. It will now pass to the left. And if we're looking at the table here, that means Andrew will be the, the killer in the next scene. Then Jay, then me, then and going around or whatever. Who's ever turn it is to frame the scene will be the killer. Uh, they'll also decide what, uh, when they start jumping out and butchering people. Uh, I do not play a character in the scene. Although maybe I play that like monster in the scene or whatever. Each player who is not the killer We'll choose one of the characters who has no other relationships or the least amount of relationships with other characters. These characters will die. This is to establish how deadly the monster is early on. So that's why you pick the characters with the least connections, because these are the least interesting characters. They're uh, they're the ones who are going to uh, start getting got. Well... I mean, probably the ones with the least connections, even though we only established two characters and didn't give them much of a backstory, of the ones we did establish was probably everybody in the church has the least connections. I guess they know each other. They attend the same church. But you, but you guys each get to choose a character um, who you want to be. Yeah, who are going to be the two characters in the scene, and they're going to be the characters who get bumped off. Okay, so who is in the church? If we're going to the church... We're going to the church. We've got a lot here. We've got we've got Susan, we've got Deacon, we've got Brick, and we've got Otis. We're all there. Well, there's only one person that can live in this entire situation. I mean, I think I know exactly who's got to be here. If you've picked Brick, I think Susan also has to be in the scene because Brick is pining after Susan. So they're both going to die? I mean, they are both children. Duh. <laughs> and this is a monster that kills kids. Let's kill all the kids at the start of the movie. Well, got to wake up those adults, man. Monsters are killing kids. Yeah, I think so. I think so, Daniel. I think we've decided. So you frame the scene. What's happening? So I set the scene, and then we start a free role play. And when I feel like it, I say when the killing starts. Later on, we'll be drawing cards to determine who dies and whatnot. But to establish early on, I'm just going to murder. I love the idea that murder here is like the the, the old-style comedy hook. 
Like when someone's bombing on stage, it's just like, everyone's dead. You know what, Jay? I'm thinking, you know, you were very dead set on a voice. Why don't we switch? I'll be Susan and you be Brick. Amazing. Fantastic. <laughs> okay, now I'm not going to feel bad about killing Brick. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so the lights go out in the church, um, and, and Deke gets up at the front. He says, never worry, my, my flock, my congregation. The Lord will look out for us in these dark times. These candles will... And then the candles all blow out, but... It's because there is the window in the back of the church in front of the cross is smashed open. A tree has fallen into it, actually, um, as as the storm is continuing. At least it seems like it's the cause of the storm. Everybody's freaking out. Everybody's standing up and and running around. And it's it's very dark. Nobody can really see the. And I think maybe a couple people are like getting out their phones or whatever. Uh, How are uh, maybe Brick and Susan reacting, do you think? Well, Brick, of course, very worried about Susan, runs over to Susan and and knows that this is scary. So obviously to remedy the situation and being the genius that he is, is he will take Susan outside <laughs> instead of keeping her inside. I'll pick you up now. And just picks up Susan and turns and just takes her out of the church. No, no, damn it. And uh, it's like raining and we established, I believe, lightning outside. I have to finish my food line I, or else I'll get a bee. It's very dark in there. You don't want to be in there, <laughs> Susan. I'm in sixth grade, I promise. Darn it, Brick. Darn it. I need to finish. Susan, it's very dark in there and scary in there. Out here, it's quite... And dark and scary. Wet and bright sometimes. I don't know. Lightning and rain don't scare Brick very much. Does it scare you, Susan? No, it's just a reaction in the atmosphere, obviously. And water. Oh boy, Susan, you're so smart. You know what? I think this is the perfect time to read you this poem I wrote. There's another, like, uh, loud clash of thunder um, right after a, a strike of lightning. And they see something moving. Maybe they don't see something moving, but there's something moving uh, right by the tree line. Uh, Something glowing slightly. And it's getting closer and closer. And we see Susan and uh, Brick are sort of like, Brick is trying to profess his love there. Um, Yep. He opens up the poem. It's raining, so it immediately disintegrates the poem. <laughs> it's not on his phone? He didn't know. He's not know. Brick does not have a phone. Oh, he doesn't have a phone. If he had a phone, he he used it in an unconventional way a long time ago. And and Susan says to Brick, Susan's like, I don't know what that was, Brick, but you should have put it, put it into a protector. Obviously, it's wet outside. You're so right, Susan. I didn't think about that. Oh, Brick just bricked it up again. Oh, boy. What am I going to do? And then there is this shape, this mass of something is moving faster and faster. And as it's getting faster and getting closer, running, and and we do the the evil dead shot. So we're like seeing through its eyes as it's uh, going towards. Just cutting through the grass. (laughs) The soundtrack, the soundtrack that only plays when we're in the eyes of the monster. <laughs> and you see it starting to light up. There's, and Susan and, and Brick sort of look up and they see, it looks like lightning, this thing. And it 
flies at them and just they both begin to convulse as their bodies are consumed by just filled with electricity as this thing shocks these two children and then as they uh as they sort of twitch this thing stops glowing and now it's just sort of a black shadow we could barely see what it is and it leans down and it must open up a mouth or something because it starts to feed yeah, we hear like a weird, like wet, like cracking sound as if we can't really tell what's opening up, but it sounds just terrifying. Yeah, it's almost like hearing a like crunches with a wet paper bag munching on something. And that is our first blood scene. Cross them off. Sorry, Brick and Susan. You've been given to the narrative gods. So now the way it's going to work is... uh. The structure works like this. We have a killer who establishes the scene. That'll be Andrew. Um, then we choose who our characters are going to represent in that scene. Jay and I will pick that. Then we have a little bit of free role play. And then the killer will strike. Now, this time when the killer strikes, though, we'll draw cards to see. And we could talk through that process when it happens. But we will draw cards to see who lives and who dies and who tells your story. Okay. Well, the scene, we're going in reverse order here. So so we're approaching towards the house that Alexander is still outside of and like sort of looking and not looking in as his sister and her boyfriend are making out on the couch. He's trying to occupy himself with, you know, appropriate detective things. And suddenly there's a rustle from one of the trees down by where the cat lady lives. And he doesn't notice it at first. But there's another bolt of lightning. The strange thing is, is that the bolt of lightning seems to occur at the same tree. Uh, wh- what do you mean? It it keeps striking the same tree? I didn't know if I followed you. Almost like the lightning. It, normally when you see lightning, you see it strike from the ground. Or you see it strike a certain place in the ground. But almost like this very specifically hit just near the tree by the cat lady's house. I'm assuming this boy like narrows his eyes because as he says out loud, as he like the rain's coming down and he is uber prepared. He has like the backup like uh, a wet, uh, what is it? I said wet coat, raincoat that he flips up over uh, with a giant hood. And of course, it's like bright yellow um, in front of his eyes. And he's like, lightning never strikes twice. And then he narrows his eyes in the distance. Are we staying with this boy, Andrew? And then the lightning, and then the lightning immediately strikes twice in the same spot. <laughs> I was saying he was saying that in response to it striking <laughs> twice. That would be quite prophetic if he just said it on one lightning strike. And across the street from the uh, lady's house, Terry just sort of is looking out, just sort of thinking about life after he is uh, deep in his. I was gonna say, uh, I was gonna say he's in his cups because that's gonna sound poetic, but he's in his weeds he's in the weeds that boy's all up in his weeds (laughs) (laughs) yes because uh across the street where terry and the the spider are at whereas on the same street where alexander is is also the cat lady's house so everybody but it's just one street that seemingly everybody lives on it's very strange and uh, their church is at the end of the block of course the, the church is at one end of the block, and the junkyard's at the other end of the block. Oh, perfect. Yes, of course. Great. <laughs> so this is, is this the town from Big Fish, where it's just like, <laughs> just a small street, and it's just the entire village is on this street? That's right. Wow. <laughs> what a reveal. 
what a twist. <laughs> and I think Terry's going to go like, what the fuck is going on with the lightning? And uh, he's actually going to, like, go outside and, like, take a look because he's, like, he'd been, like, he's been studying lightning in his, in his science class. And he's been mostly, that's the most recent lesson in class, so he remembers it. He hasn't been listening to any other lessons all year, but he thinks that, oh, if I start paying attention right now, I'll I'll do okay in class. So he remembers something about lightning. Has been in the town for a long time. And not, he's not a butte, he's not a butte, sir, or, or one of the buttes, but he's one of the other families that was there help building the town when the buttes first established the village. Or, or area, or small street, as we've established. I think there are <laughs> other streets. There must be other streets. This is just a very uh, interesting street. There are other streets. <laughs> I was here when my, my family built this road, this one road. No, it's just it seems, it seems like there's only one street. So Terry descends from the family, a little background here, and like Victor, our outsider, who's very big in the town, would know this. And maybe it's like on his desk somewhere, like the 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 family lineages. But Terry's family was there as uh, as one of the like original families that helped build this for the Butte. So they were like salt to the earth, just like in 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 every person. And uh, Terry hasn't gravitated much to anything in class. But there's something about recently this section on lightning that he just can't explain it. He's just gravitated to this for some reason. It's sticking in his mind. So I just wanted to pepper that in there. No, I like it. I think he's from the Bogarty family. That's, I've decided, that's his last name. The Bogarty. The Buttes and the Bogarties. Well, while well, while Terry steps outside, all you can hear from behind him is uh, Miss Spider screaming her head off because the power's gone out and she can no longer access her computer. And what does she sound like, Andrew? God damn it, this is the fourth time the generator hasn't kicked in. And Terry is drawn almost hypnotically over to the thing. He's not going to go, like, right next to where the lightning is, but he's, he's sort of outside. He's standing on the street looking out at it. And as as Terry's, like, walking out, he hears another rustling, and he's on edge, right? Because something has, like, mesmerized him, right? He's on edge, and he hears some rustling next to him, and he turns. And also, Terry's high as shit at this point, right? So he's extremely anxious right now. His his cool is gone at this point. And he turns and, whoa, hey, hey, man, what are you doing in there? And who pops out of the bush is... It's Alexander, right? That's right. Hey, yo, little little dude, you're, you're Maggie's brother, right? Uh, yeah, yeah, yes, I am. Uh, you pro- probably want to stay away from that, that lightning strike over there. Uh, we want to stay at a, at a more shelter spot. You, sh- you should probably get inside. Why, why would I stay? I mean, the lightning's not going to do anything, little guy. I mean, you scared of lightning? Well, and right in that moment, the weirdest thing happens. The lightning moves, as in it tracks from right to left and suddenly goes right towards the house that both Maggie and Jeff are inside. Oh, so from where uh, Alexander just came from. That's correct. Whoa, I'm fucking high as shit, man. That is a very unnatural phenomenon. Wait, my sister's in there. Wait, you saw that too? Wait, yo, little dude, come back. Yeah, uh, he's he's running at full speed, and he's gonna go like pound on the door to try to try to get his uh his sister's attention. Because even though she is like gross, uh, he doesn't want her to die. Of course. Uh, so, uh, so 
Terry obviously makes chase after the little kid just to figure out, because he, he thought he was just high as shit when he saw the lightning moving in weird ways, but now he realizes something strange is going on. So we, you know, they hurtle towards the house. There's an attack happening, so Daniel, how do we ha- how do we handle this? Okay, so the way it works is the killer decides when the murdering begins, everyone draws car- cards. Draw one card plus one card for every relationship your character has. Whether the related character is in the scene or not, if the relationship was with the deceased character, you still get to draw a card. So I think Alexander... Who do we establish who we're drawing for? I'll do Alexander and you can do um, uh, Terry, I think. Well, the, well, technically the attack is happening on Jeff and Maggie, right? So do you draw for them or do you draw for the other two? Yeah, I was going to say, I think it's probably happening at their house. Oh, I guess, you know, I guess if we want to do Jeff and Maggie, sure. Yeah, I guess we could do that. Yeah, we could have Jeff and uh, Jeff and Maggie. Uh, I'll do Jeff. Okay, and I'll pull Maggie. This is They've had really compelling scenes so far in this narrative, so we got to protect these two. Yeah, so they only have... So Jeff gets one bonus card because he's screwing Maggie, and Maggie gets two bonus cards because Maggie is screwing Jeff and is also, I'm going to say that Maggie and Alexander are friends. I don't think they're rivals. I think they, they are friends. Okay. I wanna So I want to do a little setup for this scene right here. So obviously uh, Jeff and Maggie are very preoccupied inside of the house. The kids are freaking out a little bit, but Jeff and Maggie just don't seem to care. But the weirdest thing happens because the lights were out, but seemingly from one direction of the house, all of the lights start to get brighter from one direction. So uh, let's draw our cards. Wait, I've already forgotten. Was I was I Maggie or Jeff? You're Jeff and I'm Maggie. I was Jeff. So I get one card and then one more card. And Maggie gets two. We, uh, Maggie gets three because everybody gets one card and then you get two bonus cards. Okay. And you tell me when, when, I, when I flip these bad boys. Do I got to put them in my hand? If you have a relationship with this nice character. Okay. Then the killer chooses who they want to target. You could choose to target one person or everybody in the scene. So the first person that the killer targets, this lightning ball mass, whatever it is, as it bursts through the wall where the lights are suddenly getting bright, is Jeff. Okay, so you flip the top card of the deck. It's a four of hearts. Dun, 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 dun. So I can play a higher card. I will survive, but the scene will not end. So I'm going to play. So you played a four of hearts. Well, I have an eight of hearts right here. So I'm going to play that out. So I think what happens is the um, Jeff has sort of been looking up and been like, what the fuck is going? And then as this thing explodes through the wall, he goes, ah, and he just immediately jumps backwards as he sees the, the, uh, the part of the couch that he was sitting on. Uh, is now, like, sort of consumed by the electricity, maybe. What the fuck is going on? Shortly after, though, of course, he has left poor Maggie on the couch. I was actually curious. Does this continue on? Like, I guess... This continues. So now you flip another card, killer. Oh, boy. Oh, no. And now the monster's targeting Maggie? There is one thing that you can do. And this is actually something you could have done already. So I have to play a card that is higher or otherwise Maggie just eats it. So if you have a relationship with someone, you can do one thing. So so you could play um, You could play a card for the killer. You, if you have a higher card, you could give it to the killer to kill your rival. Or if you have a higher card, you could give it to your friends 
to help your friend survive against the killer. In this situation, actually, because um, uh, Jeff and Maggie are screwing each other, they could do either. So how does she sort of get out there? Okay. Well, I I don't think... um... Uh, obviously, Maggie's not going to give more to the killer to hurt her, but I think I can play a card here. So Maggie's going to play a 10. So that is higher than the five that the killer flipped. So like Jeff rolls off to the side and this this thing comes at her from the floor. And I, I assume she's like laying on the couch because they were still like making out even in the dark. And like it's it's this strange view because like the camera's like fixed on her face as she's like leaning back against the couch and like all the light starts to like glow around her halo effect as this thing gets closer and closer and she crawls up like ah! and falls off the back of the couch and you see this electricity just like swish cheese the back of the couch around her and it just burns the the drywall behind her and she quickly scatters off the floor and tries to run into the kitchen well the the interesting thing is that both characters even in their panic seem to notice that the electricity is not just arcing from whatever this mass is it's almost moving like electric tentacles so the scene continues until there is only one person left alive. So because we're playing with three people, it will just be every time you kill one person and then we move on to another scene. I am the target. So uh, draw a card. Or do I? Do you have to be the target or can I choose one of the two since both of you lived? The killer targets one person. They cannot target again until all their characters have been targeted. So it is reset. So you could attack Maggie again but you would not be able to attack Maggie a third time. You would need to attack me before. I think because Maggie only basically fell off the couch, whereas Jeff did like a full leap from the couch, Maggie is still closer. And so as it's enveloping the couch, I mean, these electric tentacles are just like almost vaporizing everywhere they're touching. It envelops the couch and then immediately shifts towards Maggie. There's like basically no couch left at this point. Ooh. I like it. So it's pushing through the couch, basically. She got behind it, but it's still moving on. And she was about to stand up to run to the kitchen, but this thing is close. All right. Well, flip flip your card, sir. That is a jack of hearts. Ooh. That's a mighty strong card. That's a mighty strong card. But Maggie throws down a king of hearts. Oh, fuck. Oh, now. But this is what happens. The... As the creature is like crawling towards her and she's trying to get up, the as we established, this lightning thing is like affecting the electronics. And uh and it and it the electronics spike the TV. Predator comes back on for a moment and says, like, over here, over here, over here. It immediately mauls the TV as soon as the TV turns on. And Maggie uses that opportunity to run into the kitchen. Oh my god, go into the kitchen and have all the appliances start freaking out as there's a bunch of electricity. Oh fuck. Yep. Oh yeah. So Maggie dives into the kitchen and like, and by the way, when this thing turns back around, who's hiding next to the TV? But Jeff, as this, this thing lights up. The TV is destroyed and then just like behind it, like almost comically, as the TV is smashed away, Jeff is right there behind the TV. <laughs> and it goes for Jeff because Jeff is now the closest and sort of cornered uh, feast in the room. But it's very uh, preoccupied by this TV and only draws a three. Well, I have a nine, so I'm okay. Now, 
there is a slight problem that I am now out of cards. Which means if I get attacked, unless you help me, I will die. Um, but... Well, it's reset now. So now the monster can attack either of us. So it can choose to go for Maggie or choose to go for Jeff. Um, Jeff uh, jumps out the fucking window. <laughs> he's, ah! um, he's now like, uh, it's bad. Like he's got glass in him. He's bleeding, but he's crawling away as quick as he can because he's just terrified of this thing. Fuck, 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 man. Oh, my God. Okay, well, unfortunately, we are, we're about to learn something new. We get a sudden, maybe view, in very Predator style, of the view of the killer, this monster. And it almost seems to see electrical structures, like it's lured towards them. And as we all know, humans produce an electrical field. But the one feast that it was going for is sort of isolated and outside, whereas the other one is surrounded by all of these juicy electrical things. And it immediately moves towards the kitchen, sort of frying the floor as it goes towards Maggie. Oh boy, what do you got? What do you got for Maggie? And in this moment, all of the electronics, including the blender and everything in the kitchen, turn on. Some the, some toast that was in there, maybe made by one of the kids or something, pops up. Maybe startles her, and the monster draws a five. There's too many electrical <laughs> things in here. It's very confusing. It, it draws a five of diamond. Oh, boy. I don't feel like I don't even have to play a card here. But basically, throws down a jack. So Maggie had a killer hand here. She had a yeah, you really did. A 10 king and a jack. She is she is in fact smarter yes. than you would think. So and basically she sees this thing come in and all the things start illuminating and uh and you see like all the lights and stuff start to t- like turn on uh as like it gets closer and like turns on the electricity. And and basically she's as she's backing away, she looks out and she sees in the corner of her eye Jeff is just completely abandoned out the side of the window and like as if he's like running away. And she looks and he goes, that fucker, what the? And she looks to the side of the kitchen as she's walking to the back of the house at this point. There's a side door and she sees this thing again attracted to all these lights. It was going to lunge at her, but it's getting distracted by like a popcorn maker in an oven and whatever. And she quickly starts like pulling electrical outlets that are like plugging in like the microwave and stuff that are attached to like the little outlets next to the wall. Just pulling them out, pulling one, each one at, that she can. And she looks on the ground near the door and she looks outside. She goes... You fucking asshole. And she takes up a cord and slams it into the wall. And what happens is, well, this family, you know, holidays are a big deal for this family. But they also don't have a lot of time. They got two kids. And sure enough, she hits this plug. And although it isn't that time of year, all the Christmas decorations are still out in the yard. And all all of the lights turn on in the yard around Jeff. Like, like this, like inflatable Santa inflates again. Like, oh, ho, 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 ho. And all the lights go up and around the tree where he is as he's run out into the yard. And, and she dives out the side door away from the front area where the lights are, where Jeff is. This monster that's very intrigued, confused, and also seems to be growing with all of these electrical devices that exist around it, suddenly sees this big, jolly thing 
that's saying ho 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 and immediately goes through the front wall window, mauls the Santa Claus, and devours it, and then sees Jeff crawling along the ground. Can Jeff be behind the Santa Claus again? Yeah, it's the exact same shot. It's the same same tight shot of destroyed TV with Jeff behind it and now dead Santa. It moves towards Jeff and immediately pounces on him. And you see these electric tentacles rip into his body and make him convulse. And it, in one crunchy, wet sound, um, grabs onto his legs and starts to devour him. And that's the scene. Thanks for listening, boils, ghouls, and and booze. As previously mentioned, our guests this week were Andrew Dickinger and Jay Jones. I know what a great time playing with them, and I hope you enjoyed listening, even if we got a little silly. Let us know what you think on our relatively new Daniel's Dread Tales Discord. You can find a link to it in our episode description or on our Twitter at Dan's Dread Tales, all one word. You can also find me on Twitter at L-O-T-R underscore Dan. I hope you're liking the show. And if you want to help us grow, please review us on your podcast platform of choice and tell a friend about it. Thanks again and have a horrific day.